Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Guns and Roses, the show of LeBlanc Cachasa in a previous life, love, and so much more with the man that we all know as simply DDO. That's right, Mr. Daniel Day Oliveira, formerly of LeBlanc Cachasa. We talk a bit about that, but he's since now transitioned into the scene and trend manager position with Sydney Frank Importing. I've seen a lot of amazing Jägermeister events on his Instagram, and I suspect he's throwing a party right now. There's a lot of talk about pop rock, pop culture, the day after this crazy monumental election and so much more, but there's a nugget of love and relationships too that I think that's at the core of DDO as he transitions into this latest phase. So best of luck on the new gig, Mr. Oliviera, and I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with the personality himself, DDO, Daniel Day Oliviera. It brought tears to my eyes. Okay. When okay, November good. Rain was playing, it literally... And I, I've seen Slash before, and without... I know GNR reunited without Slash. Um, yeah, but that's... But that's... If you don't have Slash, you don't what have the GNR. What the point? Yeah. You know, it's, it was... But when they, when they played November Rain, I had tears streaming down my face. It was that... You had a November Rain of your own. Yeah. On your face. So this was the thing I kept... Because they were played in Houston here probably a few months ago now. Why the hell did it sound so? Didn't Axel sound amazing? It was it was just a magical. It was just a magical event. I mean, if I had, I literally flew back to Chicago just to see the show. I yeah. saw Guns N' Roses Friday night. I saw Britney Spears in Las Vegas on Saturday night, and I saw Skrillex in Las Vegas on Sunday that is night. So it was insane. yeah, it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. But literally, the best concert in my entire life was. Guns N' Roses. I mean, it shouldn't down. have been that good, but it was good. I would almost say this probably it could have been better than it was in the '90s. Like that's how rehearsed they were now. Yeah. So you seem like a pretty varied and prolific guy. So a Chicagoan, right? Born and raised. Born and raised. Your parents, your mom is German, and your dad's Brazilian. Is correct, correct, correctly. correct. How did that go? Are the Brazilians more passionate and the Germans a little more austere? I mean, my father's a musician, and no my shit. mother went in and saw him play one night, and yeah. history was made. What does he play? Uh, percussion. Was he tour- Was it in Brazil proper, or was he in the no, States? No, it was in Chicago. It was oh, in Chicago. Chicago. Mm-hmm. And your mom finally stumbled into the show and saw him playing? I guess so, man. And it was, you know, like, she... Uh, Never planned on having kids, and then at 41, it was like, boom, you're having twins. At 41? Yep. Really? So your sister's same age then, because I'm yep. really smart well, about this I'm twins a, thing. I'm a minute older. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Do you hold it over her head? Well, so we have kind of a, a history. We don't really get along. and, yeah. and really? our our Yeah, yeah, yeah. But our, our, our fights started before we were even born. So my mom is in labor. Okay. She's ready to give birth to my sister. 
And as my sister is about to be birthed, I lay my hand out and I block her. <laughs> so you close lined her? Close lined her. And my mom ended up having to get a C-section. Because and then, of you. Because of me. And then they pulled me out first. Because no I was shit. like, look, you are not getting out of here before me. I'm, 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 I'm getting out of here first. Is it fair to say there's a healthy level of competition between the two of you? Tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. Because she does, she was doing speed rack. She's in the industry as Mm. well. No, no. So I have a twin sister and I have two half sisters. Oh, okay. Okay. So Jossie is my uh, half sister, but I call her my sister. Okay. And so it's cool because you've already established yourself. She's younger, so there's not as competitive, I imagine. No, she, she, she was like... She turned 21. She was living in Brazil for a while. She came back and she goes, I want to you know, work in the bar industry. I want to yeah. be a bartender. I was like, okay, cool. But I'm not going to have you working in some sports bar, slinging beers and shots and making boatloads of cash. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think that's yeah, awesome. Why, well, yeah, why, why not do that? But I wanted, her to be in, I wanted her to be constantly learning about yeah. you know, what we do and, and everything. So um, she applied for a barback position at the drawing room under Charles Jolie. Mm-hmm. And he came to me and was like, hey, your sister applied for this job. What do you think? I'm like, dude, she would be awesome. Because the thing is, between my, between my sister and myself, like, she's a hard worker. Okay. Like, that's what differentiates us. Like, I'm... So you, you've stumbled upwards? Is that I, I'm just a hustler. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm a hustler. Like, what was it in cocktail you know the the hustlers never work and the workers never hustle so she's a worker okay so i was like well you know if you want to bar back and work your way up and she did and she became just a beast like she just just did it and it was awesome is the hospitality bugs your dad's a musician which i guess i always get the creative piece of making cocktails is like composition if you think about it notes here there's bass there's mid and there's trouble but was your mom in the industry at all in hospitality? She was a hairdresser. Okay. So um, I always, I mean, I've only dated like two types of people, really. I've either dated hairdressers or industry people because they both <laughs> really do the same thing. I mean, hairdressers okay. and industry people both deal with people on like a personal level. Right. Hairdressers actually touch people, but That's a good point. Yeah. they're both, um, they both pretty much do the same thing. They're, although you should tip your hairdressers very just, much more because they're in charge of making you look good. They'll fuck a, you up, man. <laughs> if they want, if they want to just sneeze and sneeze, you know, shave a little bit heavier. I mean, you got to respect that. I got to say, I was, I was here last night. At half step. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And um, after the USPG Austin event, and I shouldn't be saying this, but I left after a. a few too many drinks right. and i'm staying right around yeah, the corner luckily you could stumble home no problem right yeah that sounds very easy <laughs> yeah. so i put in my apple maps where i'm going and i start walking towards my hotel and after about 15 minutes of walking i'm like <laughs> man i really have to go to the bathroom okay so i walk in to a bar to use the bathroom and it's this bar it's again this- yeah yeah, oh yeah. so we were like oh my where god the hell did where you have go? you been i'm like Holy shit, I'm back at the same <laughs> bar I was already there's at. Not, there's and not like a roundabout. That always would confuse me, but there's not like one down here on Rainy Street. No, nah, it was yeah, it was You hustled of, your way back to the same bar. And then I'm and then I literally was like, okay, it's around the corner. But yeah, it was it was a long one last night. It's a nice metaphor for the industry, kind of a 
long path. You don't necessarily know which, which twist and turn you're going to take. I'll use that as a segue, right? So I read that you were a busboy early on, but like in school, like high school and shit, were you st- I imagine you were still a hustler. Yeah, I mean... I mean, well, I'm not, that's a good thing. It's a, you get stuff done, right? When I was growing up, um, I, I mean, when I was 18... 17, 18, I was, I did like moving and stuff like that. Right. And even though I, the money was really good and like getting paid $25 an yeah, hour was great. great. 17, 18. But I, I learned early on that I didn't really like manual labor. It was just okay. not my, people shake my hand like, oh my God, your hands are so soft. I'm like, cause I've never really <laughs> done manual labor my entire life. You're, you're a charmer, aren't you? That's how you get into uh, those parties. That's how you get into the room, right? <laughs> are you going to no just, comment me on that? It's, you know, I, I, I found that I loved two things early on in, in my life is like, I really love booze and uh-huh. I really love people. And it's the whole, like bartending is one of the greatest professions in the world because I mean, depending on where you work, right. but you show up, you open up your little shop, you serve people drinks, you make people happy. And then you do a little light cleaning at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. And then you go home and that's it. And I just thought this was, this was for me. As soon as, before I even turned 21, I knew that as soon as I turned 21, I'm getting behind you, a bar. That's what I'm going to do. That's my calling. But so like even career-wise, you're thinking, man, this is a longer term thing. Or were you maybe going to use it in marketing? Because you can still use the boost piece and it looks like you've got a lot of social media presence and all that shit. But was it bar time all the time? Like, did you know from that moment that was going to be the rest of your career? No, my first bartending job was, you know, slinging beers and shots and smoking cigarettes with my customers across the bar with them. And I didn't really know. And I had an opportunity to either teach motorcycle, how to ride motorcycles. Okay. Wait, so you're a motorcycle motorcycle guy too? Motorcycle guy. Killer. Okay. Did you do that, the trek from Denver to Tails? No, I did not. But I I looked into it. I looked into it and I was like, Maybe I want to hop on this thing. Yeah. But I was doing a tour in a 1979 Volkswagen bus oh, around the country amazing. during the same time. So it really didn't work out. Yeah, it's the different. It's the hippies versus like hippies the Hells versus, Angels. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you either teach people how to do motorcycles or you're serving. Or I drink. took a job um, under Adam Seeger at National 27, which was before... The word mixology was even in my vocabulary before. What, what year are we talking? Um, 2003, oh, 2002. Shit. That's before anybody even used the word. So yeah. before Violet Hour, before these, I mean, obviously Milk and Honey in New York and, right. and those places were, were, were the joints. But in Chicago, it was, if you wanted, you know, a decent cocktail, you went to National 27. And we weren't doing like crazy shit. We were just mixing tequila and fresh citrus and pomegranate and passion fruit and a salt and pepper rim and just blowing people's minds it's crazy how simple it can be it was it was it was it was a a lot of fun and i learned a lot but i mean i just i look at that as like such a crossroad in my life like i mean i love motorcycles and i love all that and then i had that this other opportunity and i had to make a decision and if i had like went down the other road and like I don't know where I would be right now. I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now. Don't I guarantee so. that shit. Would you be riding abroad? One of my, I have a couple guys like I know that they they 
went through Central America, going through the rum plantations and shit, just bike, you know, motorcycling through that. Would you I mean, I, I did that when I was 23. I went through um, the Midwest. I went up through Wisconsin, Minneapolis, South Dakota, Wyoming, Denver, and all of all, all about. And it was, I mean, the, the only way to travel is on a bike. Yeah. I mean, that is... You know, what, do you, you, what do you like about it? I, I, I got to be honest. I'm not real experienced on motorcycles, you know. Keep my windows down and shit if it's not quite the same thing. It's just different. You, you smell different things. Temperatures change. And you're, like, actually experiencing it versus, like, if you're driving around in an RV, you're, you might as well just be at home watching your flat screen TV because it's kind of the same, same thing. thing. You're just watching a flat screen TV pass yeah. you by. So you're feeling it. It's open. It's, For sure. That's a killer. I think that's interesting, too, because it's a very sensory kind of experience, which drinking and serving drinks and being behind the bar, you talk about cigarette smoke, you talk about fresh citrus. It's the same kind of experience in a way. For so sure. many smells, so many feelings, so many temperatures. It gets uncomfortable and all that shit. So obviously, you had a very illustrious career in this industry, and we'll talk about the shift to brand ambassadorship here in a second. But what was that first job where you kind of had the baton? It was given to you creatively and you could kind of like form your vision. Well, I was at, so I was at National 27 for three years and I learned a lot under Adam Seeger yeah. and uh, I ended up putting a couple drinks over the bar for a friend of mine and ended up getting fired. <laughs> Wait, for just giving him to him or creating stuff that's off menu or what was yeah. the situation? Just comping some drinks that ah, weren't on the okay. time. That makes sense. So I got secret shopped and I got fired and uh you know, I was devastated, man. It was, it was, it was rough because that was like one of my favorite places to work. So I ended up going to this place called Boca and I dropped my resume off and they called me for an interview the next day. I interviewed or then I went in the next day for my first kind of training shift and yeah. they had no cocktail menu. They had nothing. So I basically what, what's had the concept. A, like is a restaurant or is a bar? It's a, it's a restaurant. What kind of food? It's, um... Fancy, fancy, food. fancy. Right, that food. makes sense. Yeah, suit and tie kind of place. Yeah, it was a suit and tie kind of place, but it's in the heart of Lincoln Park. Oh, okay, yeah. So, it's right next door to Alinea. Oh, okay. So you show up to Alinea and you, you know, you're 20 minutes early for your reservation. You come next door and you come to me for a drink. Got so it. I mean, we've had like Mario Lopez or. <laughs> I mean, we've had uh, Mario um, Lopez caliber stars coming through. Well, he was the one that I was like, all right, Mario Lopez is at my bar. I was like, you know, I I definitely felt like I made it at that point. I don't know. But they had no cocktail menu. They had no, they had no ending. So it was like a blank slate for me to work in. And I didn't really know shit at that point either. I mean, I learned a lot from Adam Seeger, but I still, I didn't know about costing out drinks or, or, um, flavor combinations I was just kind of learning as I went so I did that for three years and uh how different were you starting or rather finishing it than when you started was it a pretty big evolution for you creatively and for sure I mean I, I learned a lot I met a lot of people and and you know about two and a half years in I got approached by uh, a woman by the name of Lauren Clower and she she was like hey do you want to work for Beef Eater for the summer Okay, cool. What what do you what do you want me to do for you? She's like, we want you to go around, train people about gin, yeah, and buy people gin cocktails. Like, sounds pretty damn good. 
you guys are gonna pay me for this? <laughs> She's like, yeah. Did okay, you like cool. gin? Gin's oh my polarizing, God. man, for some. I mean, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's it's He's holding his heart, everybody. Like very dear to you. I mean, it was an incredible experience. And the next year when she came to me and was like, Would you be interested in doing this again? Yeah. Oh, of course. So then I thought to myself, All right, well, if these guys want to pay me part time to do it, I could probably find a company to pay me full time to do it. Absolutely. So then I found another opportunity within the same family. Okay. And is it, it just Plymouth, is that right? It was it was yeah. Plymouth and Beefier that I was working on. Killer. Which are I mean, that's like having two winning teams that you get to coach because they're wonderful gins. Everybody kind they're they're open to those. You know what I mean? Like yeah. craft's a little bit different for some people, but you're traveling, you're meeting more people. Like I imagine that this bug keeps growing because you get to do what you were doing in Chicago, but now you get to travel and do it. Well the thing was is is after bartending for 10 years, I was always that bartender that would, I would go the extra mile for you. Yeah. Whatever you needed, one of the best experiences I've ever had in Chicago on the other side of the bar, and I wish I could remember this bartender's name because I tell this story all the time. So if you're listening to this, bartender, please <laughs> let me know. We'll put, who you if are. not, I'm putting an ad up. Okay. So we'll figure out who it is. So I, wa- I go to this bar, Drinking Bird. And uh, it's it's I go there to have a cocktail and it's wing night. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So I'll I'll have a cocktail and I'll have some wings, and I get the wings and it's blue cheese and I'm like I don't want this shit. And they're like, Wait, wait, wait. What, what's your what's the problem with blue? Not that it, it makes I'm allergic to it actually. But what's your problem with blue cheese? Ranch. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Ranch. And that's not a regional thing, right? That is just a pure. Preference. I don't know. I don't know if it's a regional. I just do not like blue cheese at Fair all. Enough. I mean, okay. it's not like I hate it, but I was like, I can I get some ranch? And they're like, Well, our chef here doesn't like ranch. Was it Tober? Was Travis Tober the chef? I don't know. <laughs> I know he's a big anti-ranch guy. He's beyond anti. He's an anti-ranchite. He fucking hates that shit. Anyway, I digress. So you ask for ranch. The chef's like, Nah. No, the bartender was like, Oh, our chef here doesn't like ranch, so we don't carry it. I'm like. You have wig night. That's like having gin night and not carrying tonic. Yeah, no and shit. And I'm trying to give him shit. And it's cool. Like, we have, like, a little friendly banter. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just, I'll just take the blue cheese. So after, like, two minutes, he comes back and he hands me two little ramekins of ranch. Oh, I'm wow. Like, well, I'm like, dude, thank you. Where did you get this? He's like, oh, I just ran next door to the restaurant um, and grabbed some ranch for you. Because so that like, chef didn't have a problem with it. Well, I mean, he was <laughs> just, just like, he just wanted to, like, you know, well, it was go really above like, and beyond. That's, con- that's a kind thing to do. That's an awesome thing to do. So I was always that bartender that would do that to take the extra step. No matter what it was, I would always take the extra step and go that extra mile. But I found myself becoming the bartender. I feel that every bartender has an expiration date. Okay. So, like, after 10 years, I felt like I was expiring. I was no longer that bartender that was like, if you came up to my bar and asked me for, hey, can I get a Grey Goose Dirty Martini with blue cheese olives? You know what? We don't really have blue cheese olives, but we have blue cheese on our cheese plate. So let me run back to the kitchen, grab some blue cheese so I can stuff some olives for you. To the bartender that was like, oh, do you have a Grey Goose Martini with blue cheese olives? I'm like, no, nah, dude, we ain't have no blue cheese olives. So you here. became jaded. I became jaded. Why? Man. Why does that happen? Just people wear you down? I honestly, I don't know, man. I still love people. I still, I still love it. It was just, 
Was, it, was it like a creative crisis? I'm trying to understand because it's like people get stale in their career, right? Like this fucking dead end job, even though it's not really like that, but they have to change. I just, I started to hate people, man. I started, I just, just started to hate like what everyone was. I mean, people would just be like, do you have blue? You know, I'd like, hi, can I get you a cocktail? They would ask me, do you have blue cheese olives? I'm like, what the fuck are you asking me for a garnish for? Like, <laughs> right, right. Just, what do you want a drink? I'm not, you know, oh, let me get a Johnny Walker Black on the Rocks with blue cheese olives. Let me get a Cosmo with a side of blue cheese olives. <laughs> Asshole, here's a menu, okay? Yeah. We serve food here, order a salad, okay? This right. is... This Shit, is not, I can even feel the tension now, still. It's, it's, it cuts deep, man. Like, it really I, does. I, I, I've done so much research on the person that invented the blue cheese olive. <laughs> and if I could ever say a couple words to this person, I, I just... It's just... I don't know if it's a Chicago thing. Yeah. People tell me that it that other places ask for it or I go to other cities and they're like, oh, we've never heard of that before. Or maybe once in a while somebody asks for it, yeah. but it's just. I don't think it's a big thing here. So maybe this is the future bartending. I don't know. I'm gonna, as you. soon as we leave here, I'm going <laughs> to ask Bostic if he has blue cheese <laughs> olives. And if he does, I'm going to punch him in his face. Yeah. My, well, you might as well. I won't throw you out. And he could take a punch from what I hear, which Ooh. is good too. So then, all right. So is it clear then at this point you're like, kind of fuck you guys. All right, sorry, but fuck you guys. I got to go do something else. Is this when it was like a clear bridge into going and traveling and pushing a product instead of people telling you what they want to eat? It wasn't that, man. Like, honestly, everything kind of just fell into my lap. Like, my you whole, son of a bitch. My whole, <laughs> my whole career, everything, yeah. all my jobs, they all just kind of, and people call me all the time asking me for advice. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about taking this brand ambassador job. And I ask right. people the same question. Like, oh, I want to take this brand ambassador job with this company. I'm like, well, do you like drinking that? They're like, well, it's okay. I'm like, your life is going to be miserable. Yeah. But I have been lucky where I worked for a tequila company mm-hmm. for four years that, um, you know, the, the parent company that I worked for, I don't want to say they didn't care about, but it was just like a very, it was very low on the totem pole for them. So I got to kind of do my own thing and I got kind of got to do whatever I wanted to do as far as events. So they weren't going to stand in your way because they didn't really care that much. No, I didn't have to like pass my events to legal. I didn't need to send them flyers being like, is this okay? You know, like I, I was lucky to work with a great brand manager and a great team that were like, look, we know what you do. Do this. Just keep go do doing your shit. it. Yeah. Keep doing it. And after four years, that started to change. And you know, I had an opportunity with a with a Brazilian company that uh, it just all made sense. Yeah. Like I just I announced. Well, it's, it out. it's bringing it back home, right? It's, I mean, is is there Brazilian pride? Is that fair? There is. There's a lot of Brazilian pride. Yeah. And and it's it's been. Honestly, when, when, when we, the last time I went to Brazil, about, not the last time I went to Brazil, but the first time I went to Brazil after about 15, 14 years, um, whenever I travel someplace, I always like to see, there's a distillery, a brewery, right, a right. winery. So I called my friends from Leblon and I was like, hey, can I come and check you guys out? And they were, they were like, yeah, yeah, come see us. So I, I talked to my dad and he was like, all right, let's go take a six-hour bus ride together and check it out. And oh, we did, cool. and it was it was amazing. Yeah. So a couple years, fast forward three years 
after that, when the opportunity came up to work for them, it was a no-brainer. I know their operation. I know what they do. And, you know, to work for a spirit company that represents my heritage is... Yeah. I mean, it ties everything cool. back together, you know? Well, so we'll talk about the Kachasa in a second. But it seems like you've been traveling steadily for... Are we talking... How long have you been a brand ambassador, so to speak, now? Ten years? Seven years. Seven years. Well, it's almost. Seven years. So seven Full years. Full-time seven years. But. That's crazy. Do you find it as you get older, like that it's going to that takes more of a toll on you if you don't sleep enough, if you don't eat right, if you drink every night, or are you just incredibly resilient? Because <laughs> you look young still, so I don't know what the. I know, man, and I feel young still. Yeah, I do feel young. I mean, I'm going to be 35 on Sunday. Oh, that's nothing. I'm 36, so. Yeah, I know, but you don't. I mean, if you're like, how old is this guy? I'd say you're 31. That's good. Okay. Brian, and I don't good. know how you would say it was, but I people like you're you're gonna be thirty five. Isn't that crazy? But you don't. But feel I don't it. feel that way, and but I don't act that way, and that's probably why I have issues in my relationship because I'm immature. Right. Um, but a young soul, man. That's what my wife tells me all the time. She's like, "That's why you you look so young is because you feel young." But I look at myself in the mirror every day. I'm like, I don't I don't look any different than I did. I mean. Maybe like a tiny bit different, but I look yes. the same every day. I'm like, so so. You, do you do you? Let's. I mean, let's be honest. Do you take care of yourself? You're not overweight. You're tall. You're not bald. These are all great things. No, man. I took this month. I took two weeks off of drinking yeah. and nicotine. I don't smoke. Well, right. <laughs> right now, a little bit. But I, I was a vapor, so oh, okay. I vaped, and I took two weeks off of all that shit, and I felt great. I, you know, started taking Portuguese lessons. I joined a gym, and I was just like on top of the world. And yeah. I was just like Daniel two o. I thought about. I literally thought about just going sober. Really, just being like this is it. Yeah. Because I'm a bit of a control freak, and. If you're a control freak, if you don't have alcohol in your system, you can control a lot more situations. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but it, it it's taken a toll, and I always tell people it's kind of like I don't know what that this movie is with Jason Statham, where he's he has to keep his adrenaline Crank, right? level up, yeah, so much or he'll die. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. But the the years that I've taken off my life, and I'm sure I've taken off many years off right. my life. But they wouldn't have been good ones. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. What? Just take the bad ones away. 91, then. 90, <laughs> yeah. 89, 88. What, are you what, am I gonna, what am I doing then? Right. Am I fucking? Probably not. It all Great advancements in medicine can be made. They, now, I, not, they aren't here now, and you got to live for the present. But I, I get it. I get that. Yeah. But okay, no. so all right, to your point then. So let's say even the early eight, let's fuck it, let's say 70s, right? Do you imagine yourself being in one place i'm holding up one finger being married having a family do you imagine being that guy even at 70 is that what you want i did yeah i would i would go i went to my friend's uh house for his daughter's one year anniversary party yeah. and i saw a photo of him and his wife when they were super young and they were married and just like they look so happy. And I looked at that photo and I thought to myself, that will never be me. I just accepted it. You Why? know what I mean? 
But that is, why does that, you, you got everything else lined up for you. Why could it, why would it have to be any different with relationships or love or any of that shit? I don't know, man. I just, I just, I looked at that photo and I just, I was, I was so happy for them. And I just thought that would never be for me because they always thought growing up, I'd have yeah. the wife, the kids, the white picket fence, the right, house, right. all that. I always thought that growing up. But then after a while, you know, after many relationships, I was, I kind of got like, I, I, I thought that wasn't for me, and I saw that photo, and and that even reinforced it. Yeah. And then That's I met crazy. a girl. You did. Same girl as now? As he exhales deeply. Same girl as now, man. It's good Same or bad? Same girl as now. Where is it? It's, 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 some stuff going on, man. I'm yeah. trying to work through it. Good. And this is the last thing I wanted to talk about on it's this. Fun, dude. I know, I, I know, it's just the last thing I wanted to talk about on this thing, but, like, dude, this chick is it for me. Good. I love this I know this how you woman. feel. You're talking to a guy that's married, and I, it's my second marriage, right? First one, not so good. Second one, it's like, fuck, yeah, I can, I'm 70 years old. I'm the guy that I was just talking about. I, I don't want kids. Fuck that shit, but I'll stay in one place and be married happily. Changes you, doesn't it? It seems I, like, like you're resistant to it. I'm not resistant to it, man. I just... It's tough, man, in this job with, yeah. with, with the travel and everything else. It's just kind of hard to keep it all together. But uh-huh. back to that picture, which is Chris Patino and Heather Patino. Mm-hmm. Like, seeing that picture, I never thought that would, that would be my life. But after meeting this woman, I thought, maybe this could actually happen. Wow. Maybe this could be my life. And... I don't know. I gotta make it right, man. I have to. I just. I just somehow pull it together. Do you think that you could be? I'm trying to think of positions or jobs or opportunity that would keep you more more in the same place, right? So is that is that interest you, or you still have to travel? You have that wanderlust. No, there was an opportunity for a job based in Chicago, but only in Chicago and just doing Chicago. And yeah. I thought, okay, this will be good because I've been traveling so much. I don't feel connected to Chicago, but. I love moving around, man. I yeah. love, I love just, you know, coming here in Austin and seeing fucking Chris and Half Step and Justin at Roosevelt Room yeah. and and, we got and Amanda here, Cardo man. at the hotel that I'm staying at, just going downstairs yeah. at the pool Amanda, and having some cocktails. Jen. Yeah, I love that shit. I mean, I just, I, I, I don't want to travel all the time. Like, I, but I need it once in a while because if I'm in the same place all the time doing yeah. the same thing, it's, it gets stagnant and boring so you are traveling you're seeing all these different kinds of people you're going to different states a lot of different beliefs a lot of different ailments and woes how are you feeling and this isn't about politics i want to talk about people how are people doing how are you doing in this like post-election couple of weeks because i've seen i've read the tweets i mean i i know how you feel if that's indicative of how you feel <laughs> and I, yeah, I relate man i really do but like being out there in the public do you feel this sentiment that people are really downtrodden and that it sucks i fuck um i think it's worth talking about i i i think um I mean, I, I, I took 24 hours, a little bit less than 24 hours to be in New York yeah. during Election Day just because Bar Institute was going on. I wanted to see my friends from all over the country that were there right. and everywhere I went. 
There was a fucking TV. There was a projection screen. There was this and that. In bars that don't have TVs right, or right, projection right. screens. And people were just bawling. I mean, just bawling. Yeah. And I think that people were just blindsided because they just didn't think that this could ever happen. Right. And did you did you think it would turn out this way? You because um, you're seeing more of the country than people I wasn't, that are so, insular I wasn't in New surprised York. Yeah. At all. I mean, like you're like, oh my god, how could Trump possibly get elected president? I'm like, because the other candidate, I'll say it, was weak as fuck. Yeah. Was weak. I, I even the week before the World Series. Gubbies. The week. No, no, the week during, I'm sorry, the week during the World Series, right, right. there were commercials for Trump and Hillary. Mm-hmm. Hillary's commercials were sound bites of Trump talking shit and just being an asshole. Right. And I'm not a Trump supporter. Right, right. Fuck that guy. Right. But his commercials were, I'm going to bring back jobs. I'm going to make America great again. I'm going to do all this stuff. So, and I told my friends on Facebook, which I, I've been like, I, I've gotten so much shit about my posts that I just literally gave up. I'm like, stop telling me how bad this other candidate is. Right. Tell me how great your candidate is. Tell me why I should vote for her. I mean, I live in Illinois. Right. I'm a blue state. Yeah, of it's course. not like I have to worry about like, oh, this is a real. I'm a real. I'm in a real pickle. Right. right. Who should I vote for? <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. fucking Green Party. Voted Green Party past three elections. Yeah. But give me a reason I should vote for. Give other people a reason to vote for. Don't just be like. This guy is so bad. Yeah. Even today, I wake up, I look at Facebook. Oh, Trump's hiring this person. Trump's doing this. It's like, guys, okay, he's a shithead. We all know this. Like, right. How is this a surprise? What, what, do, what do serial killers do? Now, I'm not comparing him to a serial killer, even though he is sociopathic. But what do they do? They kill. So they kill another guy. Big fucking surprise. That's what he does. But it was a sad day in New York rough, City. Oh, I, bet. I mean... They were walking around with their, the future is female shirts, feminists across their chest. Like they, I mean, it literally was like, it, it was one o'clock in the afternoon and Hillary was already the first female president. Yeah. And when it all came down, it was like, I've never seen anything like it before. I mean, I was yeah. walking through the streets in New York and people were literally weeping in the streets. I've never seen anything like it's it. It's fucking and insane, isn't it? But you, are you optimistic, not about the presidency, but did it make you think that life was different for you? That, in fact, you're going to have less opportunity? Or I'm a 35-year-old... White male. White male. You know, I, I can't, I'm not even allowed to have an opinion on no, it. No, it's a good point. Okay. I'm not even allowed to have an opinion on what is going on. I made a post the next day after the election, like, guys... There's a lot of heartache, blah, blah, blah. We all need to come together. And, like, people started blasting me. I was like, I took it down. I was like, okay, fine. You can't say shit. No one can say anything. That's how and, it goes. And I had one person just blasting me, like, oh, we should all came together at the polls. I'm like, well, kind of in did. Illinois. It, it's, oh, man. I know it's tough. It's tough. And it's an interesting place. And you just feel it in the air still kind of things are getting better i mean in terms of like the tone it feels good right now being out here and the doors open and shit yeah at least there's that and you also have kachasa tell me that's not a very rough and tumble way to transition into a bazillion spirit but if you think about something 
convivial, something celebratory. You got to think about Brazil, and you got to think about cachaça. Well, our government's pretty fucked up there as well. Is, so, well, I mean, sure, I, have dual, corrupt I, have, the, I have dual citizenship. Oh, you do? Okay. So it's like, oh, well, if things are messed up in America, you can just go to Brazil. I'm like, things in Brazil aren't all that great either. Mm-hmm. So, um... Do you, are you getting any reprieve from this fucking corruption then? No, not, not at all. Not at all. I mean, <laughs> people don't even really know what Kachas is. I mean, I've been in Austin for the past day and a half, and it's been really cool to go around to the bars and, and the USBG event last night to talk to bar owners and, and people that were interested about the spirit category and right. talking to me about it. It was super cool. And you're raising money. Everybody was raising money for their own foundation, right? Right. Which foundation did you pick for last night? The I Branded picked, Bartender? That's what it's called, right? What's that? Branded Bartender was the event. That was yeah. That was the event. So I picked uh, the Developing Minds Foundation, which is a, a charity that helps underprivileged kids in the favelas, which are the ghettos oh, favelas, of Brazil. Yeah. So it was it was it was a nice event. But I had so many people come up and just like have no idea what this category is. Really? Yeah. It's actually almost alarming in Austin with how educated pe- people are and like kind of self empowered how they self-starters they want to learn and all of that so what what's the biggest challenge for you when you try to kind of articulate what cachaça is getting people how to pronounce it correctly that's tough it took a couple months i think but and just understanding i mean when you can break it down for people as like all cognac is brandy but not all brandy is cognac when you kind of break it down in that kind of sense where cachaça comes from a specific part of the world yeah and it's very similar to rum agricole as it, it's made in the same, same way. Same fashion, yeah. Um, but just getting people, I mean, I was in a, a great um, a liquor store yesterday and, and I went to look for a couple bottles for the event and, and I'm looking at their rum selection. They have, you know, all the great brands. Right. Bacardi. Right. <laughs> uh, rum Jam. Neil, so like, so they have some agricoles. They have all. They have all the brands. Yeah. They have all the rum brands in one in one category, and and the guy came up to me. And he's like, "What are you looking for?" I was like, "I'm looking for a cachaça." He goes, he points me in the direction. It's all the way in the corner of the shop, oh, next to the man. pisco, right. next to the Bolivian brandy. And I'm like, "Why is it over?" Here? You know, like I, I didn't ask him why I was over. I didn't want to. Well, for one, I wanted him to carry my shit. So right. I wasn't right. trying to give him any crap but i was like why he's like well it just you know it just made sense it's south it's american south america they all go together yeah. and and uh so what do you do what do you like what do you how do you feel in what way do you think you can change the narrative a captivating charming guy that's traveling around like you what do how like you can change it you can move the needle but how do you do that just showing people that, I mean, if you look at the daiquiri, for example, right. it is a cocktail that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. And it's a delicious drink. Sure. I love a daiquiri. Shit, I had one an hour ago. <laughs> Why are there not but, one in our hands right now, in matter of fact? But. It's a delicious, it's just, a, it's just about educating the public about what it is. And, you know, it's, I mean, I'm the same way. I'm learning Portuguese right now. Okay. And, and 
there's a lot of tough words and a lot of tough pronunciations and saying cachaça or right. caipirinha is it's a little bit is tough. So ordering that, but we're talking about a simple classic cocktail that any bar can in make. Austin, Texas can make. Absolutely. I don't care if you're a dive bar or a high-end cocktail bar. You have limes, you have sugar. Right. If you have cachaça, you can make this drink. So that's the way to do it. Keep it keep it simple, three chord riff off a of daiquiri. I mean, it, it's a beautiful cap, caprina. I mean, it's an amazing drink. It's easy, man. I've never had one that I was like oh, I can't drink this. I know? mean, if you look at the margarita, which is the most popular cocktail in the entire country. Yeah. You know why is that? Because I mean, have you been to Mexico? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Of course you have. Yeah. I mean, I could ask every person in this bar right now if they've been to Mexico. Oh, everybody, yeah. They've been there. And how many people have, have you been to Brazil? No. Love to go, but never been. So, everyone's been to Mexico. Everybody knows tequila. Everybody knows the margarita. The margarita rules. So, how can we bring a little bit of Brazil to the States? Yeah. And it's just introducing to them this very simple, simple cocktail, which, dude, that's my, that's my whole gig, man. Yeah. Just trying to show people what's up, man. You're like a... What is it? A missionary in a way. Missionary. You've got things to share, things to prove. And so LeBlanc, is it? So what's the best? LeBlanc or LeBlanc? LeBlanc. LeBlanc, okay. So kind of French-ish, right? Right. So yep. our master distiller, um, his background is in cognac making. Oh, wow. So he treats the sugar cane the same way that you would treat grapes. And wow. he understands terroir and and sense of place and so he gets all those extra kinds of things that sometimes people don't understand it's just the bottom line is no matter what spirit that you're talking about whether it's whiskey or vodka or rum or gin it all starts with the raw product if you don't have a good raw product i mean yeah you could age it in barrels for however long and mask some of that or you know add add sugar to it and mask the flavor, if you don't start with good raw product, you're not going to end up with a good tasting spirit. Absolutely. Simple as that. Lipstick on a pig, yeah? Right. Absolutely. Well, man, it's so LeBlanc's got the the one skew. It's 80 proof. Right. It usually takes one day for fermentation, right? Because it's that raw sugar cane. You guys, it's like one or a couple days, one to two days? It's it's different for every cachaça does. Does it differently? Di- differently, yeah. yeah. And has it changed since they were fully acquired by Bacardi? Has the culture changed at Nothing all? Nothing has changed at all. Um, we still produce all of our juice. Um, if, if, if something had changed at Bacardi, if it had all changed, we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation right now. Makes sense. Nothing has changed at all. We still do the things the same way we do them, and we will continue to do the things to say that we, same way that we do them. Well, dude, we're gonna we're gonna get some more whiskey. I'm gonna hang out a little bit. We'll chat some more. But it's been brilliant. Thanks for making the time to chat with me, Daniel. Dude, it is so awesome to chat with you. And I hope I haven't said some things to offend anyone out there. But you gotta be your like that. You know, I was talking about podcast today with somebody. You know why people like this? Because I don't fucking edit it. You can say what you want. You are who you are. I am who I am, and I am not apologizing for any of it. And nor should you. We all feel very similar, man. We're all going through shit, too, you know? 
But it, it, it was nice to have you invite me here, and it's nice to be back at this bar. And yeah. I don't know. I love this industry. I love everybody in it. I just, it's just nice to be here. And, and I don't know where my career is going to take me next, but hopefully it takes me to more fun stuff like this. Oh, yeah, so I man. appreciate it. Bro. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much, man. Cheers, brother. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, there we have it, the persona himself, DDO, Daniel Day Oliveira of Sydney Frank Importing, sharing the Jaeger to start the night and sharing the Jaeger that ends the night. Yes, perhaps that's a new marketing pitch. We do talk a bit about his previous gig with Labone Cachasa and a lot of the challenges in the market there, and it's a great companion piece to this week's episode with Dragosh of Nova Fogo and kind of understand some of the difficulties in articulating the marketing strategy, the marketing position, retail, et cetera, et cetera. But Didio, thank you so much for being so open, so transparent, talking about love, talking about health, talking about transition. It's a lot of things that sometimes we as a group in this hospitality industry don't really talk about. So it was really a pleasure getting to know you, mate. And I hope you're having a good time with this new gig and that cold weather at times up in Chicago. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter if you prefer the faster bass lines or the slow, groovy ones when you're trying to get in the mood, or if you really would like to try a cake d'aquoise, which I'm not even sure what it is, please keep thinking.